Fam Gray began making jewelry years ago in an effort to look the part for her job. Jewelry making became her passion. Her empire has grown to include teaching, hosting online education events, and selling supplies through the urbanbeater.com. Despite her busy business, or maybe because of it, she's also finding time to do other things she loves, including teaching people how to cook delicious, healthy Vietnamese food. Q, I'm so happy to have you here today on the show. Thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you have so many things cooking over there, both literally cooking and metaphorically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be me all the time. Uh Yeah, like, tell me about where you live. It sounds beautiful. So where we ended up moving to about four years ago was we moved to a place called Bath, Ohio. Um, The claim to fame here is that LeBron James lives here. He's, as I like to say, he's practically a neighbor and he practically knows who I am. There you go. You know, he's only like two miles up the street. Wow. You know, we're just about buddies. We're just about there. But well, it makes know, so- sense. Sports celebrities, jewelry celebrities, you know. You know, yeah. And, and we live so close. And, you know, so it's really funny because people always are like, where is that? And even people here in Cleveland are like, where do you live? Oh, my gosh. Right. Totally nuts. And so I go, you know, LeBron, up the street. That's where we live. Not that we live in his neighborhood because I couldn't afford it. But anyway. <laughs> close enough. So, close enough. Close enough. Exactly. And that's when people start putting it together about where we live. But basically, we live like right smack in the middle in between Cleveland and Akron. But at the end of the street is the Cuyahoga National Park. And, you know, which is, um, it was sort of a dream of mine. Not that that's how, why we picked this house, but to live on the national park, you know, there are, there is land available on national park to buy a house. Right. But, but it's very hard to find. And I I say that this is as close as I'm ever going to get to living on the national park because I can just walk up there and be on a trail in about half a mile or so. I could be on a trail. Oh, it's perfect to be able to get out like that. And it's a beautiful mm -hmm. deciduous forest and the river is there. Mm -hmm. Just so, so pretty. Yeah. And the river is definitely right up here. One of them anyway. And it's, um, yeah, we, we live really close to the towpath. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. But there is a towpath that goes from Cleveland to Columbus. And that was used back in the day, you know, to transport things. And now there is a path that you can like ride your back, bike or jog or whatever you want or hike from Cleveland all the way down to Columbus. It's like totally crazy that on is. that towpath. Not that I've done it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of these days. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I don't like paved paths. I, I prefer to go in the woods. And um, do I love to be in the big woods. trees too. Mm-hmm. Um, your business is so busy. Is that something that you really make sure that you carve out time for to get out into the woods? I, I try. I, I will tell you that at the beginning of COVID, that was, I was doing that a lot. Like I was in the woods probably four days a week for a couple hours. You know, um, right now things have gotten so busy. I wake up every morning going, is this the day I get to go hiking again? It's been several months since I've been out, but it's also been, you know, it's been crazy hot. <laughs> Yeah, it has been, been crazy hot. humid. I can't remember where are you, Katie. I live in Arizona now, so it's oh. hot here 
for sure. Yeah. But today it's pouring rain, so you just don't know. Oh, well, you need the rain. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but it's do. it's so, so humid right now that like the other day, I'm like, oh, gosh, it looks so nice out. Maybe the humidity has gone down. And my husband's like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled open the, the, the sliding glass door. It was like, oh, it's like soup out there. Closed mm-hmm. it right back up. And it was just, it's just so humid right now. I don't remember ever being like this humid for this long. Every chance that I've had to go out, it's just been so hot that I, I just retreat back in. So when you can't get out into the woods and get a good hike and what do you do to take care of yourself? Oh, um, probably cook. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. I enjoyed a delicious meal at your house years ago and um, just beautiful food. Yeah. Do you remember how many years ago that was? I'm thinking six. That seems right. Is that yeah, right? that seems about right. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. When you were guest, my guest on Beats, Bubbles, and Jewels, you were right down the road. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. came over and you made food for all of us, which was just wonderful. And I know that's something you enjoy. So tell us about cooking in your life and how that fuels your creativity. You know, I I, I think, honestly, all this, we're, we're all makers, right? We all yes. like to make things and which form of making we choose is just sort of different between one person and another. And for me, I just love making anything, but food is really a great way to, to show love, you know, to, to people. And, um, it's, and, and, and it's also not frivolous, which is sort of something that I fight with making jewelry too, is, you know, what we do as much as pretty things and art is important to life. I, I'm a conservationist and it's like, Oh, you know, am I creating more waste in this in this world? So, with food, at least there is how how do you, how do you put it? There's always there's an outcome, but there's there's a need for it. Right. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't just go to, go into the, the the trash. And something that has happened through COVID and being at home, because as you know, I travel so much. You know, I was slotted for 18 trips last year, to which I only completed three. So I was home, which I have not been home for this long in like 10 years. So during that time, I got a little bit, I became more aware of food and um, cooking and utilizing or, or having the time to think about the waste that we are creating in the kitchen. Because most Americans have so much waste, they they don't eat their leftovers or they cook more You you know, cook more than they, they need and it goes to waste. And so it became sort of a, sort of a challenge. Can we, can we get to the point where we don't have any food waste and we're, we're so close. And so that's, the, 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 these are the little stupid things I create in my brain to oh, create challenges in life. You know? I mean, it's some people look at it and they're like, you're nuts. It's like, well, yeah, okay. Maybe a little OCD. They might not be your people then. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's, I don't yeah, know. That's, so that, that's what I'm doing to fill, fill my, fill my, my, my time and just doing, just doing things. And actually, you know, I, um, if you follow me on Instagram, I, I made a purse four weeks ago. <laughs> hey, that's so, neat you know out of Something leather yeah. and exactly just making just and that's 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 what I do is um I, I I make things and try to make things that are functional and do things you know 
doing a lot of organizing, you know, and purging in this last year just to, hey, you know, I never get to be at home. So what can we do for the house? And also, honestly, traveling so much, I never settled into this house. Isn't that interesting how you finally have a chance to nest kind of? I, I did. And I did this very consciously, you know, by, let's see, it, hap- it started in March. So then by end of April, as we were heading into the, the summer, I looked around and said, you know what? We live in a beautiful area. We've created a very lovely home for ourselves. At least I think so. And I should really enjoy this and embrace this. And so I, I looked at my husband and I said, you know what, we're going to start eating on the deck and we're going to enjoy this beautiful deck that we have. You know, I bought some patio furniture when we moved in. We, we've only like sat in it six times in three years. <laughs> like, let's sit on the deck. Let's have meals on the deck. And let's, let's just look around and take a deep breath. And I started working on the deck. And, you know, instead of sitting inside with my computer, I sit on the deck with my, my computer and I just look out at at the woods and because we, we have land like we did before, you know, and you can look around and just take in nature, even though you got a computer in front of you, this is what you, I think this is what you need to do to not be completely saturated with your other life, you know? Right. Well, it's not a, I don't think it is a choice. I don't think it's a choice that any one of us would typically make to completely cancel your, your year's worth of, traveling and teaching engagements, but because Mm -hmm. it's kind of thrust upon you, you know, we kind of have to figure out how is this going to work now? And I think that's true for anybody, even in regular life. How's this life going to look right now? Mm -hmm. You know, my kids were home for school and even though they were busy doing their things, it's completely different than running them around every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think um, being in nature became really important. Do you think it changed your business? Oh, I know it did. You you mean my attitude or, or COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Either one. Maybe both. <laughs> you know, we, we totally pivoted. As you said, you know, you don't think many of us would choose to just cancel everything for the year. I've thought about it, but really financially, that's not feasible, you know, until you figure out, uh, unless you, you have created some sort of nest egg for yourself that that you can get through a year and think that you can get back to what you're doing, especially as an independent, you know, uh, you have right. to stay relevant with what we do. I feel that I have to continue to stay relevant because once you're out of mind, can you get it back? So no, you don't, you don't choose to, in our position, choose to just shut it down. So when COVID happened, you know, it's nothing like losing 80, 90% of your income within a couple weeks, it was, it became very clear that that's what's going to happen. So I pivoted. And as, as you had mentioned earlier, you know, you're, I see you're keeping very busy. Well, I pivoted very quickly. You know, I pivoted within 10 days of shutdown and I was live. I was up and running and live and um, online. On, you mean Online. I, I was doing virtual. I had not gotten to zoom yet, but I was doing these little live broadcasts I started on just Facebook and then we went to two channels and now I'm on four channels just to keep it out there. And, you know, that became the business is being live. And then it's like, well, what about your revenue stream? How, how do you bring in revenue? So we got really creative with, um, and I say we a lot because my husband 
as you know, it's part of the business of what we do. But, you know, we got really creative with how to generate revenue so that we can make up the loss of our, our salaries, really, or the right. loss of our incomes. So, yeah, how, how has it changed? It, it's changed a lot. You know, my attitude, how, how has that changed business? I'm, I had to get more aggressive with what I do. You know, I, I, I was getting a little bit relaxed and, and into a routine. Well, that routine got thrown upside down. And so now here we are 70 weeks later of being virtual. I ha- I'm actually rethinking it again, trying to figure out what is next and how to find the balance as in-person is coming back. You know, how do you balance in-person? How do you balance um, the virtual at the same time and keep both audiences going and feeding them so that you can stay relevant? Do you think that those two audiences feed each other? Your online audience and your in-person audience? I, I would hope that they do. But what's interesting is, you know, I've had this year four in person. And at the last one, you know, I had someone who had not done an in-person since last year, right? And she's like, I don't know if I like this in-person thing anymore. <laughs> and and the reason being, which is very interesting, as you know, working in jewelry, we work in these tiny little things, right? And when you're in a classroom of 15, 20 people, can they really see what you're doing? Maybe. But if you're doing virtual, they see everything that you're doing. And they can pause it. They can work. They can make notes. They can take a break. It's on their schedule. It's on their time. It's on their schedule. And so they're, they're missing that part of it, that aspect of it. The only, but, you know, we all know the downside of virtual is I can't see what they are doing. And I can't physically take their hand and go, no, 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 like this. (laughs) Like this, yeah. You know, no, you're melting something. But so I I don't know. I'm still feeling that out, whether or not it actually feeds one another. I would hope. I mean, it it, it speaks to logic, but I don't know. I'm unclear. I guess we have to have more experience at this whole thing before we can really tell. You know, it's kind of too (laughs) soon to know. The magic eight ball says too soon to tell. Exactly. I, I, I would totally agree with that. I, I think that really we're not going to know until maybe third quarter of 2022 and to the end of 2022 is when we'll really understand as, you know, there's still a lot of people trying to figure out this virtual thing, even though it's been, it, we're 70 weeks, you know, really that, all th- that makes it sound really long, but it really hasn't been that long when you think about it. <laughs> As a perspective, sure. (laughs) Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. I say 70 weeks, but you know, this whole COVID thing started approximately 71 and a half weeks ago. Because remember, I jumped into this a week and a half later. You're an early adopter. So this is still, well, you say early adapter. I could have started 71 (laughs) weeks ago, but you know, I gave myself a few days. You gave yourself a day to be like, what? Exactly, exactly. Unpack the suitcase. Let me think about this for a sec. Or, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was packed. I was I literally it. packed I'm because sure I were. had an event that I was supposed to go to. The oh, first man. week I was like, the, like 70 weeks ago, I was supposed to be somewhere and things were packed. And I was like, okay, are we doing this? Are we not doing this? 
And I think I canceled or it was canceled maybe five, seven days before. So literally right. I was packed because I pack early, you know. Somehow yeah. that doesn't surprise me, Q. I can see how organized <laughs> you are. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if you had three suitcases. One was for the next week's trip. One is for two weeks from now. And one is for three <laughs> weeks. And then you just rotate. Huh. You know, I've never thought about doing it that way. <laughs> Let me know if it works. I might Actually, try it. You, you yeah, go first. I have enough underwear to go around. <laughs> see, see, for me, it's all about underwear. It's all about underwear. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Well, tell us about this virtually ever crafting. Tell me what that's like and kind of how that transpired and what's going to be happening. Okay. So let me ask you this. How did you hear about virtually ever crafting? When I do my guest research, you know, I Googled Mm -hmm. you, even though I know you and know about you, I still Googled you to see what you have going on. And it was in there. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So what happened was last year, June, Okay. So when, when COVID started, I started a thing on the first Wednesday of every month and it's still going called wine on Wednesday. And it was a zoom cocktail and I had, it's open invitation to everybody. At first it was, you know, let's work on the bench and we can wine and work together and just be together. And then it became just drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a book club. Exactly. (laughs) Many of the book clubs I've been to. (laughs) Exactly. So it just became drinking and we would gather on a Wednesday evening and we would, we would just talk and whatnot. On this particular Wine on Wednesday, it was in June. It's always the first Wednesday. I had just received an email from Beat Fest that they were canceled. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I had gotten it maybe a half an hour before Wine on Wednesday was to start. And then, of course, it started, and there was like, I don't know, 25, 30 people there. And, of course, a discussion went to, did you see the email? Did you see the email? You know, because, again, remember, this was June last year. Everything was still tentative. Everybody was still hopeful that August was oh, going yeah. to happen, right? Right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, so everybody was all sort of crying over it. And then, of course, somebody said, and I say, of course, because this is like par for my life. Somebody said, you should do something, Q. <laughs> you should do something virtual. And I was like, why me? Why always me? And I went, okay, you know what? Let me think about it. And so it's funny because they sat around coming up with names and things like that. Anyway, so I thought about it. And five days later... I had applications and I sent it up there. I belong to a Facebook group of instructors and I posted the application there said, here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a virtual forum platform for instructors to teach. And it's going to be event based. Unlike your YouTube and your craftsy, this you know, where people are dropping recordings and they walk away. They just upload a recording and they walk away. Here, we are going to pretend like it is an in-person without being in-person so that there's interaction between student and instructor through the whole course. So that first one, I, I threw it up there. I gave them a week for application <laughs> deadline. I know. They were hey. all... If they're not going to do it in a week, it's not happening, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there were all kinds of daggers being thrown at me. Like, are you kidding me? Right? 
Well, the beauty of the people we know who teach jewelry is everybody has a class in their back pocket, pretty much. Well, you would think. You Didn't would work think. out that way? No? I, I got so much kickback, like pushback, that's like, are you kidding? I said, oh, come on. If you guys are reading these applications things, you know, how, why, why are you not prepared for this, right? But anyway, that's besides the point. Okay, so that was June, mid-June. You know, five days later, that put us almost mid-June. I was up and running and I had the site up and running. I don't think any later than July 1st. I scrambled That's amazing. and I put the site together and August 15th, because here was a deal. And that came out of the, the Wine on Wednesday conversation. I said, well, when should we do this? And they were like, well, you know, we already have our vacations planned for Beat Fest. Why don't you do it the Beat Fest weekend? Oh, Okay. Oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense because people are already missing it. We're going to... They already have the time set aside too. That's right. We're going to fill that gap and this is how we're going to do it. So that's how this whole thing started happening. And so let's see what happens. And sure enough, I had 15 instructors. I had 50 classes posted and I piggybacked it on the urbanbeater.com website because there was no money. Remember, there's barely income coming You're just in. starting out. Yeah. Just starting out. It was a little confusing for people, but after that first one, I'm like, okay, I have seed money now. So that's how we got enough money to start our own website, you know, and have it be a standalone website. And then of course, word started getting out and people, we now have proof of concept, which was great. And so now we went to from 15 to 20 something instructors to 25 instructors. Now I've got like almost 30 instructors and 120 classes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So the next event's in October, which will be the fourth event. Right. And we're going to go to twice a year, but we're, you know, we have a little bit of everything, whether it's beading or fabrication or metal clay. We last time brought in a glass bead maker. So she's teaching glass. And then I'm excited this next time we have Sarinda Jones. I don't know if you know who she is. I don't. She does glass and she teaches for Smithsonian and Corning. Well, I'll have to look her up. Yeah, she is an amazing artist. So she's going to be doing um, glass also. Two, two different types of glass, you know. I have a person doing lapidary. So we're expanding and that's that's a whole thing and what really separates us from all these other platforms is it's interactive because it's like it you're just taking the class live the the participants are at home right and they're watching you through the screen but they can ask you questions or raise their hand or right and they're working with that's the thing is they're they're working along working with us yes they're working along with us and you know I ha- I've, I've had instructors contact me go oh well I have the video I'll just send it I'm like no that's you have not to really be how there. it goes that's not how it goes and then you know a lot of them I get a lot of pushback I say a lot I get some pushback until people understand the concept like well why can't we have the recording for life like because that's not what we're doing here because you know if you go to an event you go to a conference you don't get a recording at all. Whereas here, I'm giving you the recording for a couple weeks and then, you know, to give you a little bit more time to work time on Time to it. practice, time to work. Or refine it or whatever. And so, you know, once they understand what we're doing, that it's not just watching a YouTube, because some of them assume they're just going to come in and watch a YouTube. I'm like, no, no. Right. 
you, you ask questions and you work. And they're like, oh, that's not what I expected. Like, what? Right. Yeah. Well, now that you, so it seems, it sounds to me like, like it's virtually ever crafting has become its own business entity within your many different prongs mm-hmm. of your right. business. It has. So how do you feel about being a show promoter and organizer? And plus you're also an instructor. You're also selling supplies. Do you feel like they're, those things are constantly shifting? How, how are you able to split your focus in all those different ways? Because I feel like a lot of jewelry artists are doing so many different things, not just making jewelry. So for for me, what's, what's interesting about that is I have always wanted to do event planning, right? Event planning. And it's it, it sort of lends itself to things that I've done in my past too. And, and it, 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 it falls in line. You know, it's, it's hard to manage all these different things. Like you said, you know, we've got the distribution business and we've got the whole virtual thing. I've got the in-person teaching. Now I'm a show promoter. And that's bottom right. line is that's what I am, right? I don't like to think of it that way, but, it, but that's what it is, right? So how do I feel about that? It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. And honestly, I'm still trying to mitigate that in my own brain, about how I want to separate my time. What has become clear literally this week is that I need to start bringing in some help to do it. Because like, if you look at the website, you know, all those pieces, all the graphics you see, I did it. All of those icons, I drew them. Like literally, I drew all those icons and created those from scratch because frankly, when you don't have money to hire somebody to do it, you need to do it, right? Luckily, well, and I, you can, you have the talent and you have the <laughs> skill, so you can do it. So you are doing it, you yeah. know, but does that mean you will be doing it? And That's right. yet to be determined. And now, and now, but the thing is now that there's seed money, right? Now that we have proof of concept and there is revenue generated from it I can start thinking about hiring it out and so like I said literally this week I was starting to think about that and I brought someone in to say hey listen I I need you to do some of the grunt work you know like I found a mistake that's universal you're gonna have to go into each one of these and fix it it's gonna take me three hours well I can hand it off to somebody else and have them take three hours to do it you know what I mean so I'm starting to look at that a little bit differently honestly I'm, I'm not really in the play in, in a place where I have a real good answer about how I'm handling it, except I get less sleep right now. <laughs> so common. It might be the number one answer to that question. <laughs> I just sleep less, you know, but um, I know we're laughing about it and you know, you can do that in the short term, but it may not be sustainable in the long term. Don't feel too bad for me because for me, <laughs> less sleep, honestly, is <laughs> That means things are good. No, no. (laughs) It means things are good, but how much is less sleep? (laughs) Because I like my sleep. Okay, so usually I get seven or eight hours. (laughs) Now I get six. (laughs) So it's not that bad. It's not like I'm getting five or four hours of sleep a night. I mean, let's be really honest about that. I, I, I like my sleep way too much, but I'm still getting about six hours of sleep in every night. 
And that's so why. you're keeping it in perspective, is what you're saying. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's not blow that out of the water. And I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. Oh my gosh, she's working all the time. Yes, I'm working all the time during those wake hours, but I get my sleep. Okay. Yeah, that's important. That's just, important. Yeah, just a hair less. Uh huh. It seems like you have, this is the corny way to say it, but a healthy approach. You know, you're, you know, you're, you got the sleep thing. You're good. You know, you got your creativity. You're getting outside. You do mm-hmm. the, like to cook healthy food. You know, I try. I try really, really hard. And what's interesting about that is people don't think that I do. <laughs> I think it's because I have, I get so much done that people can't imagine for themselves right being able to get that much done in that amount of time and i don't know it, it, i i get that comment a lot do you ever sleep like actually sleep a lot you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> i just do a lot during the day so it's it's just sort of funny um but i'm, I'm more than happy to admit that i i do a lot and i sleep a lot <laughs> <laughs> well and you've made your life around you um, such that it's possible for you to do that, you know, for you to work long days and yeah, cut your sleep down during this time. And then, you know, it'll probably change later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's nice that the office is in the house. <laughs> I love working from home. I have to say the cutting out the commuting time is really good. Isn't it? I used to yes. drive like 45 minutes downtown and back. And, you know, it's, in traffic. I remember one time I was stuck in that 45 minute drive. I was stuck for three hours on the highway oh. because there was an accident. And I got to remember my boss somehow caught up to me. Oh like, my goodness. <laughs> it was like, I, I so will never forget that. You know, we're on the cell phone. Where are you? What? You're three cars behind me. Turn around. Oh, you are. Just wait. There you are. You know, and we're just stuck there. So I said, so I guess you're not going to hold it against me that I'm out of the office right now because you're right here with me. <laughs> You know, so, yeah. so yeah, I don't miss that. It's, it's nice, but you just, but you know, but most people don't know how to separate their lives. It is hard when you're, when your work is right in your home mm-hmm. to separate it. You're right. Do you, do you miss kind of the commuting time for decompressing from work to home? And did you get a lot of creative ideas when you were commuting? Well, you, um, no, because you have to remember, or you have to know, not remember, because you don't know. When I was doing that kind of stuff, I was working in corporate. So it's different. Yeah. It's not a creative time in the car because you're just in between worlds, home and work. Yeah. And that's, and honestly, that's, that's probably really what it was. But I can't say that back when I was working corporate, I was doing much by way of creativity. I don't think I was doing any crafting of any sort back then, but. I mean, it's now when, when I'm doing in person, I, I need a lot of decompression time after teaching because you're so stimulated, you know, when you're teaching a, a room full of people, you have so much stimulation, you're constantly on, right? That I do need that time to, okay, don't talk to me. I, I, I just need to eat my, my, my dinner and I might. I don't even need to watch TV or anything like that, but I need some time to just my husband and I in the hotel room would just lay there and we would just talk about our day or whatever was going on or whatever thing that had happened. And I just need that to come down. But here 
I have to say, I, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that need to quote unquote decompress because I feel much more on my own pace, you know, and if I'm working a lot, that's because I'm pushing myself. And I, I found myself doing that this week and it's just like, okay, I need to just slow down and you know what? I'm just going to clean. It's productive, but it's not that high level stress thing, you know? And it doesn't require your creative, your creative brain at all. It's a My different cre- part of yeah. your brain to just organize. Do you ever regret leaving the corporate world and doing your own thing? Regret? No. Do I think about going back? Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> two very different things, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. We'll you talk know? about how's that different for you? What do you mean? Well, okay. So why don't I regret it? Because, you know, honestly, for me, corporate was really hard in that I didn't fit the corporate mold, despite the fact that this literally has been said to me, you're the mo- most uncorporate corporate person I know. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that means, right. but okay. So I, I didn't quite fit the mold because when you're working corporate, there's a lot of politics when you're in an office, when you're working in the office, right? There's a, po- a lot of politics and Granted, it's, it's been a long time. It's been, uh, where are we? Mary 20. So it's been like 18 years. And yes, I'm much more mature now, I would hope. Anyway, so much more mature now, and I have a different look on things, you know, a different perspective. But back then, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't play. I had a very hard time playing along with all that. So no, I don't miss that, and I don't regret leaving that because that's what you leave behind the the shenanigans I'll say it nicely yeah and that's a good way of putting it but so but you know here why would I consider going back because sometimes I just feel like wouldn't it be nice to walk in an office and leave it there when you come home and 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 have a you know and do whatever I want on the weekends and after hours and not have to think about it so to that extent that that's where my my brain goes, you know, is wouldn't it be a little bit easier? But I also know that I think about that when I have the least work-life balance. Interestingly enough, a lot of people are like, I'm bored during COVID. I'm thinking, I don't know where boredom comes in, but I actually had much more of a work-life balance before COVID. So as, as you mentioned, I'm doing so many things right now. That to try to fill that financial gap, creative gap. But mm-hmm. I have faith that it will all come back or that I will have that balance again in the future. I, I have faith that this is short-lived as whatever, however, what the perspective of short would be, you know, as you're saying 70 weeks sounds like a lot, but it's still short. Mm-hmm. But I know that for my husband coming out of corporate also, because we work so closely together, right? that I would not want for him to go back to corporate, that this has really given him a very nice work-life balance for him and a, a life that is a lot easier on, on many levels, you know? So, so yeah, that's, like I said, there's, there's no regret, but it doesn't mean I don't think about it. But you know what I really think about more than anything, frankly, I used to I bartend, know. right? Oh. <laughs> I can see you juggling cocktails and remembering everyone's drinks. It's It was a lot of fun. And I think actually probably more so than thinking about going back to corporate, I think about going back to bartending just because it's like, you know what? 
I can stand behind a bar. I can give crap to people. <laughs> like verbal crap, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Not, not, you not mean. that I'm feeding them, <laughs> uh, you know, bad stuff, but I, I can, I just, I can just give smack and mm-hmm. it's great. You know, I, I could do that. And you can leave it behind and it's fun while you're there. And I could see that. It, it, it is. It, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, can we talk about your kinetic jewelry? Because I really am enjoying seeing those pictures. And I don't know if you're doing that right now or if that's something that I accidentally excavated. But tell me about you designing jewelry with movement. So the thing is, it's funny that you picked up on that. Did, did you happen to see the fidget ring? I did. Okay, so that's that's new. So it intrigues me. It challenges me. If you think about it, right? Anybody could, well, I say anybody, but most anybody can make static anything. It doesn't take much to figure it out, not much to execute, right? But when you get into things with moving parts, you really have to think about the engineering of it and what it takes to do that. So you got to engineer it and then you have to think about the execution. You know, you can engineer things, but you really... It's it's just as vital to be able to execute it. So then all of that would lend itself to the challenge. It's so challenging, it's, you know, to get things to move and work at the same time. So for me, it's about elevating my my skills, the technique, and it's a challenge to my brain. And, that, and that's why I, I, I like going there. And I'm always trying to find, well, can we add movement? What can we do that's, that's, that has movement? Although there's not been a lot because, frankly, most of my students aren't there. It's too hard, right? Their, their skills aren't quite there. So I don't do a ton of it. But I, I continue to look for things that, that move because of the challenge. And, and, you know, if you actually look back, uh, my work and the pro- um, the progression of my work, it, it gets a little bit more technical as through the years, right? And you can see that. And and this added another aspect because again, I'm always looking for different approaches on this and how we can also, as instructors, bring our students to the next level. And that's where this is going: is kinetic jewelry or kinetic pieces takes them up to the next level. It elevates what they do and it pushes their skills. And if you're going to be, I think if you're going to be a really good instructor, you got to push your, your, your students along and, and get them to challenge themselves also. Well, and I think it's very fitting for you because you're all about movement with all the (laughs) things we've been talking about, you know, pivoting, spinning, movement. And so to bring it to the jewelry level, describe what your fidget ring looks like. So my fidget ring is a ring shank with a peg and two rings attached to said peg and it spins around said peg. So it's, it sits straight up. So unlike what the traditional spinning ring is, where the spinning ring has several rings that spins around the shank, this spins above the shank. 
So it's like on the surface of the band on top of your finger, Correct. the pieces are moving. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so cool. Uh-huh. It takes a lot of planning, too. You like it, that part, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Back to planning. And, you know, it's it's, it's all about the steps, right, and, and doing in the right sequence to get that to happen. Mm-hmm. So being able to see the finish, do you see the finished piece in your mind? Like, did you see the finished ring in your mind and then plan out steps to get there? Yeah, quite frankly, all of this, the fidget ring in particular was a student had contacted me and said, hey, have you seen these kinds of rings? I said, yeah, I've seen them. Well, come on, let's make it. Like, make it your own, right? It's like, <laughs> okay, let me think about it for a minute because, you know, you, you got to figure, you got to figure it out. So it's all about the engineering. So yes, I, 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 I saw this and so I took inspiration from it and then reverse engineered it and figured out how, okay, how, how can we make this? Because typically when you see these kinds of rings, it's not, it's not the most original, I'll be honest. It's not the most original. I mean, it's been around for quite a while, but mostly when you see these, it's very high end. They use diamonds. You don't see these on what we call crossover jewelry because what we so make, kind of bring it to an artisan level. Yeah. Cause what we make is considered crossover jewelry, right? It's not quite costume jewelry and it's not quite fine jewelry. So we're in that crossover um, section. So you don't see it in, at this level because most of them who are doing it in the fine jewelry are like casting it and then putting it together. So you have to really think about how, how to put it together at the, the level that we're, we're using with the materials that we have available to us and, and creating interest because, you know, yeah, I could have gone really simple, like with a couple of, of, of little spinning rings, but it's not like I chose to go with a braid just to add more interest. I chose to add as many stones as I could on there again, just to play with the eye, because if you've got things with movement, you know, the little extra twinkle really, messes with your brain and it, it creates a, a, an illusion which is important too because again it's all about what you see it's optics it's all optics so but that's how how I got there so yes I I started with the visual and I, I start building it up from there and then you just sit around I just sit around trying to find ways to to make it more interesting and challenging challenging enough for for students to to find interest in it Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Q. This has been really great. And I think next time we'll have to have you on my other imaginary podcast where we talk about gardening, cooking, cocktails, (laughs) and all the fun (laughs) stuff like that. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) All right, good. Well, thanks for having me. This has been wonderful. I appreciate you reaching out. Definitely. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and review Jewelry Artist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Jewelry Artist is a production of Golden Peak Media and Interweave. It's hosted and produced by me, Katie Hacker. We had help from Tammy Hahnemann and Merle White with special thanks to the team at Lapidary Journal Jewelry Artist Magazine. This episode was recorded and edited by Daisha Clay. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.